Hello, I'm back. Yes, it's Graham Norton here. Thank you very much for listening to my Virgin Radio podcast with Waitrose. Uh, this week on the show, author Harlan Coben was down the line from New Jersey chatting all about his new novel, The Match. Star of screen Tom Hollander fills us in on the new ITV production of The Ipcris File. Nation's favourite Matthew Horn gives us all the news about the new Catherine Tate film, Nan, the movie. Show chef Martha gets us prepped for Mother's Day and you loved it last week. So let's do Guess the Guest again. We'll get into all of that in a second. But first, let's catch up with Maria and solve some more of your Graham Guides dilemmas. Graham, we've been away for two weeks and my post bag is bulging. I wondered what you were going to say. (laughs) (laughs) Your post bag. Yes, it's absolutely chock-a-block. I have finally finished my decorations for the nation. Oh, yes. You know, I've been decorating and I asked you about pink and green. Oh, yes. Do you care? Yes, I went went with racing green woodwork and pale pink walls. Yeah, that was wrong. Um, It was right. It would look great. No, too too harsh. It's a small cottage. Pink, slightly sort of, you know, dusky pink. Uh, Peignoir, if anyone's interested. And um, and then green accessories. I've got green sofas, as you may recall. Oh, yes, I do recall. (laughs) Very nice. I believe they lived in your house once. They're from Heels. <laughs> there you go, you yeah. see. That's what having a showbiz friend does. You get some nice sofas occasionally. But really, it's not worth it just for that, I don't think. So, um, <laughs> Cheers. Yeah. Wow. Having, having a showbiz friend. Um, so that was all done. Finished decorations, put everything back. Freshly laundered sheets on the bed. Gorgeous. Ready for, you know, new life. Your new life. And then Sally, the Spanish red rescue bounded into my house who's now belongs to my neighbor yes, yes. and released four pints of her own personal sangria onto the bed double duvet feather duvet as you Ooh. also know and mattress horror of horrors when you say i mean her own personal sangria was it which end did it come out Wee wee end. Okay. Ooh. I was just trying to avoid saying wee wee. Okay. On the no. radio, but now I've said it twice. No, I thought your neighbour had inadvertently fed the dog. Oh, you <laughs> a took a gallon me... of sangria. Okay, you went. You took me too literally. There. Yes, I did think it was odd that a dog was vomiting up sangria, no, it's but not I thought vomit. it's it Hastings. Yes. It's Hastings. You know, they, they know <laughs> how to. Everyone drinks know, in Hastings. They know how to have a good time. Yeah. Doesn't matter what species you are, everyone drinks down yeah. in Hastings. No, oh, so, no. Yeah. But at least, at least, at least. The dog had the wisdom to avoid the beautiful green sofas. Well, that's true. Yeah. That's D- a true. duvet. You can replace a duvet. Mattress. Oh, mattress is bad, yeah. Yes, I was there with... Did the... it smell of we anyway? I was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Obviously, I'm never going to admit to that. But the, but the trick is to put some white vinegar on things. To... Oh, great. So now it smells of vinegar. Now it smells like a chip shop. <laughs> Um, which, which is much more appealing. No, yeah, but it's the duvet, lovely. the feather duvet, because once you wash the feathers, they just go all matty. Oh, mat- no, no. Oh, then no. Just, then you've just got a bag of sticks if you wash a feather duvet. <laughs> well, they disintegrate. <laughs> so you think, oh, I'm cold. Why am I so cold? There's nothing there. <laughs> nothing there, because you've just got two bits of material over you. Yes. And how has your week been? Of course, it's so amazeballs to see the sunshine, isn't, isn't it? it? lovely? I well, mean, I'm, it's spring, but it's chilly. Yeah. I was in Ireland, and... Uh, so I was watching some Irish telly. Telly's different there. I do like it. I watched uh, their Dancing with the Stars, which is certainly dancing. And did you know any of the celebs? Because it's no. a different country, you no, see. I, didn't. I know that. It's a 
different country yeah. with different celebrities. Yes, it was different celebrities. I did not know them. Uh, but did it matter? No, it really didn't. It re- a bit like here. It does, it does, it it's does. just some nice dancing in pretty costumes. It's some nice dancing in pretty costumes and a lot of, you know, uh, I couldn't have done it without this person. I love them so much. Yeah. You know, that we, gets tiresome, I, I've got a friend it? for life. And you think, I'd love, I'd like to do a catch up. I'd like to film, you know, their little their little speech they do when yeah, they're yeah. getting kicked out. When did crying. you last speak to yeah. Vladimir? <laughs> Who? Yeah. Well, not, not since the final, actually. We've both been so busy. Dancing, dancing, dancing. Yeah. And then there's a really good programme oh, yeah. called Selling Ireland's Most Expensive Homes. Oh. And how much are Ireland's most expensive homes? Well, some of them because were like... the Celtic tiger roared a while back and everything went really up to the wazoo and then it plummeted. There's one house in Dublin. It was uh, back in 2006. It sold for 9.6 million. You love these programs, I know. don't you? I can and tell. it's an amazing house right in the centre of Dublin. And it's now in the market for, I don't know, three point something. <gasps> so it has plummeted. Well, except that's it's come back again now. So that house must have been even less at some point. But what reminded me of that programme was you were talking about your pink walls uh, there was a woman um oh it's been on the telly i might as well say it her name is diane and she lives on the telly and she lives she lives in a this it's an old house it's an old house but she has renamed it diane house so her name is diane and her name is diane i love her already and she bought i mean all the pink paint known to man all the pink paint that katie price couldn't afford (laughs) She got. Oh, is it like bubblegum pink? Like sugared oh, mouth oh, pink? Oh, oh, oh. She's got a stable block, an old kind of, you know, Georgian, whatever, yeah, stable yeah. block. All the walls pink, all the woodwork hot pink. Oh! <laughs> like, there must be horses just going neighing. I no, feel, I feel no, she, she nay, should have a colour shade. She should have a colour shade named Diane Pink. <laughs> Anyway, it's for sale. And at the end of the show, they went, Diane House is still for sale. Oh, the phone's ringing. That's probably Diane now. Stop dissing my house on the radio. Yes. Uh, It's not bubblegum pink. (laughs) It's the colour of my horse's eyes. (laughs) (laughs) You uh, gather your letters and we'll get to Graham's Guide. Virgin Radio. Guide. Have you got a letter by any chance? Of course I have. Oh, that's so great. Shut up. Here we go. Dear Graham and Maria, why are you laughing already? Because <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> I only said dear Graham and Maria. I read ahead. <laughs> oh. oh, don't say it's funny. I was going to do serious voice. Oh, sorry. Dear Graham and Maria, for four years now, I've been in a relationship with a man who lives with someone else. He claims their relationship is toxic and he does his own thing. They aren't married. Now you've started me laughing. <laughs> I split with my partner of almost 20 years as we'd been unhappy for a while and I couldn't handle the deceit. Throughout our time together, he uses phrases like, this is the new one, obviously, like, we're waiting for each other and I don't see a time of my life where you're not part of it, which is definitely giving me the impression that we'll be together properly one day. Okay. For the past four weeks, he's become withdrawn, barely contacting me, and when he does call, he sounds either bored or irritated by me. We used to meet for lunch every day, but this has also stopped for no apparent reason. Every day? I asked if he wanted to end things, but he says he just needs some solace. Solace. 
sometimes. Otherwise, he won't discuss the change in attitude. What do I do? Do I wait it out? I feel reliant on him and I'm quite lonely at the moment. I have no close friends to socialise with and I've recently lost my mother so I could really do with the support. And that is from Catherine in Blandford Forum. Catherine in Blantford Forum, I'm so sorry. This is awful. Now, listen, a split with your partner of, of 20 years, your mother dying, and you're in a relationship with a fella, you know, you've been with him for four years, and he speaks in cliches, you know? Like, we're meant to be together and we're waiting for each other. You'll always be... This is a madness. I'm going to say to you, first and foremost, Catherine, get some friends. Get socialising, get yourself out of it, because all you can think about at the moment is this situation and him. Now, it's the classic thing of put, putting all your eggs into one, I want to say a rude word, but I'll say basket, um, and, you know, it, it, it's going to go wrong. So you need to get out, you need to make him not be the focus of your life and try and get some support elsewhere. I don't... I'm afraid it's not looking good, Catherine, and you need to take back control because for four years, this man has had his cake and eaten it too. I don't think he's ever going to leave this relationship. No, no. And what and he's done that really annoying thing, and this isn't your fault, Catherine, but it has happened. He's made you, you... I said, but also made her reliant on him. Like, they have lunch together every day. So she looks forward to that. That's the focus of her day. And now, now, when she's getting a bit <laughs> impatient and a bit kind of like, come on, he's taken that away. Yeah. Just when she needs it, just when she's lost her mom, she's, she, you know, she's been big life decisions. You know, you say you need, you could really do the support. Yes, you could. And you're never going to get it from him. No. Ever. Because you will never be his number one priority. I mean, you say, Graham, he's made her reliant. This It's compliant. She's compliant in this. She has been. So it's a two-way yes, thing. Yes, but I think initially you believe these people. Initially, you go into it thinking, oh, you know, he's in this terrible toxic relationship. I'm not happy in my relationship. I'm going to leave. I, she did. She left her partner. Of 20 years. Of 20 years mm -hmm. because she didn't want to deal with the receipt, deceit. This guy... He has no intention of leaving this thing. He obviously likes his house or maybe he even likes the relationship. Who knows? But he's not leaving this person for you, Catherine. And now, because he can tell that you are becoming impatient and getting the end of your he's tether... He's backing off. He's backing off to make you even needier than you were because yeah. you are in this very vulnerable place and you need somebody. But it's not him. It's I mean, anybody who, Graham, who says, if somebody said this to me or you, I don't see a time of my life where you're not a part of it. But, you know, the brackets there are as long as it's all on my terms. Yeah. You know, I, I don't ask me for anything other than what I'm prepared to give you. I will stay with this woman. It's been four years. I want to get Catherine by the shoulders in a loving way, Catherine, and shake you slightly and say, wake up. Smell the roses. This is not going to happen. Yeah. They're dandelions. And also that thing about, you know, I don't see a time in my life when you won't be part of it. That's like saying to her, Catherine, you will always be unhappy. <laughs> because, you know, and I know that's harsh, but that is what he's saying. Because so long as he's in your life, Catherine, 
you won't be happy. Uh, there will just be very... I mean, there'll be better times than this, maybe, because he'll come back and start having lunch with you again or whatever. But it will never be what you want. It'll never be enough. And you are worth so much more than this, Catherine. I agree. But how does she extricate herself? Do, does she kind of challenge and say, look, I'm, I'm fed up now. We've got to, I've got to give you an ultimatum. I think you're done. I think, and also... But she's got to get out of it. Yes, but I think Catherine, but she's not living with him or anything. You know. I know, but she's got to get out of the relationship and out of the, the, the kind of hold he's got on her. Yes, and these people do have terrible, I mean, hold on people. I mean, I've watched so many of those documentaries at the moment about these guys. Did you watch Bad Vegan? Oh, no, I was just thinking of that very much. It's yeah. a very good thing to watch. Sorry, so, Catherine. But no, maybe but I think you, Catherine... Maybe I think Catherine, watch it. Yes, watch Bad Vegan, watch Tinder Swindler, watch all those things, because this guy is playing you. It's a psychological torment, Catherine, which is the worst I think, but uh, I mean you can tell both Graham and I are extremely vexed by this. Yeah, and I, I think somehow that idea of your mother dying I think should give you perspective uh, on your life and focus on your life and realise what's important, what isn't important. Don't waste any more of it. You're, yeah, you're done with this guy. You know, just take take something from your grief and make it into a positive in your life and get rid of this guy. Well, good luck, Catherine. My favourite responder today will be getting a bottle of <gasps> Waitrose Blueprint White Burgundy. Elegant, soft and refreshing. This is a classic wine that is richness and body and pairs well with Martha's... Oh, I nearly gave away what Martha's cooking. But I won't. It's a it's an alternative roast. But anyway, it would be very nice with this blueprint white burgundy. And uh, Waitress currently has 25% off six bottles of wine. Price five pounds or over. What am I doing here? I should be pushing a trolley. Uh, anyway, that is what my favourite responder would get. So what should she do? Joe in Suffolk. I've been there and wasted eight years. Let him go and let you in. You're never going to feel valued by this man. You can live without him and you can live a single life. Go enjoy it. I did and it's fabulous. Really, I should stop the advice there because that's that's the bottom line, Catherine, in Blanford Forum. Uh, Dave in Gloucester. Catherine, it sounds like you're his bit on the side. You are free. Walk away. Get out and about to meet someone new. Um... Steve says, Catherine has taken the word of a serial cheat that his current partner is toxic. She needs to be single. Take stock and look in the mirror. The victim here is the boyfriend's partner. I mean, as bad as it is, mind you, the boyfriend's partner might be perfectly happy. And also, you know, they're unaware of being toxic. (laughs) They're just sat at home going, oh, he's out late tonight. Uh, Jill in Northumberland. Firstly, condolences to Catherine on losing her mom. Grief and losing someone tends to show the true colours of those around you. Good people step up and support you. Ditch this man. He only has self-interest at heart. True that. Uh, Mandy in Hampshire, I've been where you are and it's a damaging, ever-decreasing circle that will never be any good for your heart and soul. Go speed dating. It's not only a good way to meet potential suitors, you'll also meet other friendly ladies to make friends with. Trust me. Okay, we do, Mandy. Uh, thank you for all your responses. Um, the white burgundy, the waitress white burgundy, I'm going to give to Joe in Suffolk. Okay, I've got a second letter equally as thorny, Graham, Ooh, go. as an issue. Dear Graham and Maria, it was my 50th birthday a short while ago, and one of my lovely friends bought me a £50 gift voucher to a local, very fancy Michelin star restaurant. I decided to ask her 
if she'd like to join me to celebrate, with the intention of paying for her meal. The only trouble is that there are only two set menus. One is £70 per head and the other is £115 per head. I have a lot of outgoings with children at university and I find it hard to justify this amount. And also, don't really want to spend that amount of money on a meal when times are hard. But I don't really see what else I can do. I'd really appreciate your advice on how to handle this. And that is from Emma in Brighton. Emma in Brighton, this is interesting because it's a sort of odd amount. It's a £50 <laughs> gift for a, for a restaurant that is Michelin starred. So, you know, dutifully very, very expensive. I mean, I would say to you... Wait until times are less hard before you commit to anything because obviously things at the moment for a lot of people are really tough. And I mean, I would just save up. Maybe she'll get you another voucher next year and before you know where you are with Christmas and holidays, yeah. you'll have the amount. Because By the time she's 100, she'll have enough, <laughs> she'll have enough to pay Because even if you use the £50 voucher, it still leaves you your meal and booze. So that I've calculated, Graham, that that's £90 plus booze. Let's hope that they're teetotal. But nonetheless, £90 on an evening when times are hard is too much. So I think the, the gesture of the gift is nice. <laughs> And the well, and the gesture of asking her—I mean, basically, she, she she's paid, getting more. She's getting more back <laughs> that she's given. She's you. paying for her own meal, but you're paying for the rest. So I think, you know, scrap the whole thing for yeah, now. Yeah, I just hopefully think, this Michelin star restaurant will do a, you know, a funky brunch for. Or a, if 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 she's lucky, it'll go bust quickly, and then she'll never <laughs> no, have to go. Then, but then you lose fifty pounds. <laughs> but it's fifty pounds she didn't have anyway. Well, this is true, but and, you know, this is like a philosophical yeah, question. She'll though. be lucky enough to. She'll be lucky to get a bottle of wine for that at this place I just think tell your friend Emma uh, oh actually that date I chose I can't do it we'll do it again in the future I thought it might be nice to do it you know later in the summer or something we could sit outside something just put it on the long whatever that is and and get rid yes. of it make it a distant elephant make it a distant elephant yeah. and then hopefully the restaurant will close or down or just play her this basically <laughs> Emma because you know I think your, your intentions are good and it was a nice present but an odd amount for a very expensive Restaurant. And also, she clearly didn't expect you to bring her. I think she's going to be embarrassed sitting there looking no, at the prices. Already asked, she's, Emma's already asked her. No, I know, but she's going to be like when you sit there thinking, "Oh, this is weird that like she's now spending more on me than I spent on her." Is this a romantic event? That's what I wanted to. I, I kind of wondered if it's a romantic event, then you absolutely have to pay for your friend. Um, I mean, you know, I'm not making any assumptions about anybody, but if it is, you can't expect cancel. 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 Get out of it now. Because you will have one of the worst nights of your life, Emma. Because you won't be able to afford to drink enough to forget. Water. <laughs> <laughs> Even the water will be nine pounds a bottle. Because it comes from some sort what of What well. about, Emma, as a really nice gesture, and it gets you completely out of this, you give the £50 voucher to a charity that's... Goodness knows there's a lot of charities on at the moment for Ukrainians, for all manner of things. You donate it as a sort of, you know, a really nice <laughs> altruistic gesture <laughs> and someone else has the problem. <laughs> and you've done a nice thing, so you get out of it and you tell your friend, well, actually, you know what, I know we were going to go. We will go at some point, but I decided I didn't have any cash to donate to a charity, so I thought it would be nice to give that voucher. I'm not... Do people want a... I'm not sure charities want a £50 voucher to a Michelin-style restaurant. <laughs> 
Charities want anything that they can raffle. Of course, Graham, do you not know how this works? You and I must have done lots of, you know, being auction house callers. What are they called? Auctioneer. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I think we should probably wrap this up now. Now that we're losing our words, we should probably stop. I'm losing our will. <laughs> Emma, I'm very sorry, but I think Graham is right. Tear it up in small pieces. <laughs> no, donate it to someone. No, no and nobody wants donate it. Donate it to somebody nobody who's got wants more money. It. No one wants it. I want it. <laughs> okay, no, I send, it to, send it to Maria. Uh, Emma, just cancel, cancel, cancel. And my favourite responder will, of course, receive a bottle of that Waitrose Blueprint White Burgundy. Mmm, chilled to perfection oh, on a sunny day. How lovely. Right, Michael from Gravesend says, maybe your friend gave you the £50 knowing that you will invite her and pay for her, which kind of defeats the object. Go with someone else and go Dutch as you won't feel at liberty to pay for them. Even then, you're still spending another, you know, 60, 70 quid on top of this voucher. Mick from Wakefield Emma should buy her friend a reciprocal voucher for her birthday and they can both go and submit the bill at a better time. A treat for them both. Is it, though? <laughs> You're still out of pocket. No one can afford this restaurant with a £50 voucher. That's the problem. Yvonne in Bennington. Sounds to me like the friend won the voucher in the first place and just decided to gift it on. Maybe somebody gave it to a charity. <laughs> That's what's happened here. Uh, I would go and eat there on my own just to savour some special food without incurring additional expense. Okay. Laura. Now, this is a good... If you can do this, this is the way out of this. Laura says, Emma, just go there for an amazing cocktail. Most Michelin star restaurants have really nice bars. You guys can put the voucher towards that and always eat, drink somewhere else. That's not a bad shout because, you know, you could probably just about afford two cocktails. Would you? Yeah. But he's a bit miserable because then you're going to, should we have another one? And then there, there goes 50 quid and suddenly we might as well have had the dinner. I don't know. Anyway, good luck. Uh, tell you what, Laura, I'm going to give you the Waitrose Blueprint White Burgundy for free, for free to drink in your house. Won't that be nice? The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. Time to meet my guest. Uh, this man is so successful. 75 million books worldwide. Uh, his novels are published in 45 languages around the globe and he's just added to the list of bestsellers with his brand new book called The Match. His name is Harlan Coben and he's on the line now. Hello. How you doing, Graham? How's it going today? Very good. I don't know what it's like there, but it's gorgeous. Well, actually, it must be the... Is it the middle of the night there or something? No, it's more, it's early morning. It's We'll see how it's going to be. It's been nice the last day or two, but for the most part, it's been a horrible winter in the New York, New Jersey area. Now, the thing is, your book, The Match, it, it, it kind of gives us, I think, uh, for UK readers, a window into a bit of New Jersey we didn't know about. And when we hear New Jersey, we imagine it's all built up and kind of, you know, industrial and very urban. But you describe this mountainous kind of wilderness in New Jersey. Yeah, it's the Appalachian Mountains run through New Jersey and uh, the Ramapo Mountains where I was hiking about five miles from my house when I came up with the idea for this book. Yeah, they're beautiful, I guess. If you like mountains and forest and trees and stuff like that, New Jersey's your spot. We're called the Garden State, you know, that's our nickname. 
We're learning so much today. There you go. <laughs> We're the best tomatoes in the world, but they're only about three weeks a year. <laughs> so, Harlan, there's the ideas for about four novels in this book. So, start with the the first novel we get to. This character, Wild, in who's found in those mountains. Yeah. So I was I was actually hiking through those mountains with my family, and I was getting really bored because you see a tree, and then you see another tree, and then you see another tree, and I'm like, I wish I was work, walking through the city. You know, you could see shop store, people's faces, bookstores. And I saw a little kid walking around five or six years old, and I said, what if, what if this kid right now came out of the woods, and I swear he always lived there, never remembered any parents, fended for himself, broke into cabins to feed himself, and 35 years later, he still doesn't know how he ended up in those woods. And as the match, a DNA match, opens up, he's standing across the street from his biological father about to get those answers. So there's your opening, I guess, your opening of the book. And then you go in this kind of other direction where we get into the whole world of internet trolls and all all of that. Is that presumably that's something you watch from afar or do you engage with that sort of stuff on social media? I try not to engage with it too much, but that whole internet trolling and bullying world, the reality TV world, um, all these things, you know, Instagram influencer world, this all sort of fascinates me, but more important it's really a ripe arena to write a thriller, a novel that's going to keep you turning pages. So by looking at those things, I'm sort of able to do that. And what's weird is I, when I got this book, I had just finished listening to a podcast called Wild Boys. Have you, do you know this story? No, I don't. And it's about these two boys who wander into a small village in Canada and they became known as the Bush Boys. Um, and it was kind of end of the sort of the late 90s, early noughties um, and claiming that they'd been brought, you know, they just fended for themselves in the woods. It's obviously zeitgeisty at the moment. People, people in the <laughs> there woods. You there Don't you go. stop ripping off my story. <laughs> <laughs> Why I oughta. <laughs> And now I was talking earlier on the show about your relationship with Netflix in this country. You've had such huge success with Netflix here, uh, adapting your books. How did that happen? How did it end up that your books are being transplanted to Britain and then made for Netflix? It seems an odd way round. Yeah, well, you know, Netflix, um, I actually do it also. In, I've had Netflix Spain, Netflix France, Netflix Poland, uh, Netflix kind of likes me international, but I was able to hook up in your country with some of your, really your, your best TV talent, Nicholas Schindler uh, as a producer and Danny Brocklehurst as a writer and a guy named Richard Fee. And the four of us started with The Five and then we made Safe and then we made The Stranger and then we made Stay Close. Um, and now we're going to make another. So that's how it all sort of kind of happened that uh, Netflix really sort of got into it and said, let's keep making more. And we've just had a blast. And all the wonderful British talent, most of whom have been on your show, of course, yeah. um, that I've been able to work with. And tell me, I mean, it must be odd for you to see your stories, or is it odd for you to see your stories transplanted into a kind of British setting and British streets and British suburbs? Not really. I kind of love the idea of a hybrid. I look at it like it's a hit song and I recorded a hit song and now somebody in Britain or Spain or wherever is going to remake it. I don't want them to sound the same as me. I want them to bring in their own traditions. I kind of love British crime. So the fact that we can marry my American sort of story with the British crime story, I think it I think it makes it better. 
I like that idea, cover versions. Yeah, they're <laughs> cover, yeah. cover versions of your stories. You know, if, if you're recording someone else's song, you don't have to sound exactly the sound like the original. That's boring. And Arlen, I'm interested. You, like, you say you have the spark of the idea walking in the woods. How quickly does it then turn into the book, into the story of the book? How fast do you get all the other elements? It depends. Usually a couple of months, though, but that part is the hardest part to get. And you're not, I don't, I often come up with a lot of what ifs or suppose, and then it has to marinate in a while before I know if it's actually going to work. So the rest of that walk, I'm marinating this thought, okay, the kid came out of the woods. Why? How? What is he now? Where does he live now? Is he an adult? Who's going to tell this story? And it just keeps going like that for weeks sometimes at a time, months even. And did you have the idea of using like the Ancestry online database thing is such a great device for a, a writer. Had that been kind of in your head as well, where you could, yeah. oh, I must use that? Well, yeah, all the whole rest of the world is like, oh, you know, I'd watch some reality TV, some dating reality TV shows with my daughters. I'll do anything to bond with my, with my daughters. <laughs> you love so them I was so watching much. These, and of course, I'm, you know, I'm looking at all the manipulation, all that. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting thing. And but I wonder if I could show the dark side of that ever in a book. And we all understand online bullying, or we've all seen online bullying and trolling and how destructive that is. And so I'm wondering about all these things I'm wondering. And then I, I'm like, how can I get them all into into a story to make the story richer, to make you turn the pages faster. And so they all are in my head and then we'll see which ones actually make the book. And your career, you know, I think your first book was at 1990, Play Dead. Was that the first one? Yes, that was a long time ago. So, I mean, and you've written so many books then, you've sold so many millions of books. How was, was success instant with Play Dead or did it build or was there a book that broke through or did you, did you just gather an audience as you went along? You know, my, my first New York Times bestseller was my 10th novel, Tell No One. Um, so wow. It was a, it, yeah, it was a real slow struggle at first. Uh, it's a lot. It's interesting you mentioned that because so many people today, I don't want to sound like an old grumpy old man, but it's like <laughs> I've written you know one book or two books and I put them on the Internet. How come I'm not selling like you and James Patterson? You know, it's it takes time. So uh, building it slowly. I did a Myron Bolotar series and then tell no one all of a sudden you are an overnight success. And building that audience, was that just, were you, uh, were you at a time in, in the 90s, was that still traveling around America, going to the bookshops, doing the signings, doing the talks? Yes, just very few people showed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was actually talking recently with my friend Lee Child, who does the Reacher series. And we in the early, I think it was the late 90s, we did a couple events together where very, very few people showed up. Even in the UK, we did a few events together in the, I guess, early knots. Well, and the match, presumably, are you back on the road with this now? Are live events back for you? No, not yet. I, you know, I had to decide a number of months ago when Omicron was really running through the world. And yeah. so decided one more year that we would do, uh, I'd rather keep people safe and do it virtually. And when you are writing now, because of the connection with Netflix and you get to you know, tell these stories on screen all over the world, is it sort of, I mean, I, I'm sure you try not to do it, but is a little bit of your head now seeing stories when you write them? Actually, the opposite, maybe. I, I really, the, the biggest curse you can have is to write a novel thinking, ooh, this will make a really good television series. <laughs> Just the worst thing. But the counter to that is, I'm willing to change everything. I think the worst adaptations stay slavishly devoted to the text. When we're doing a TV series with the group I mentioned before, I'm not thinking, 
oh, how can we keep closer to the book? I'm thinking, how can I make this really great TV, even if it didn't happen in the book? So I don't really worry too much about that. And the other thing is, come on, Graham, you and I both grew up watching a lot of TV. Um, this is the world that we kind of grew up in. Every writer kind of pretends like, oh, my influences were Proust uh, and Yates. <laughs> I mean, my influences were, you know, the old Batman TV show with Adam Ward and the odd couple. You know, we watched TV when we were kids. So we also think a little bit probably more that way. Yeah, it's, it's Jessica Fletcher all the way, really, isn't it? <laughs> In my head, that is still writing a book. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, all right, Luke, thank you so much for getting up early to talk to us. Uh, let's remind everybody, The Match, it's the latest book from Harlan Coben. It is out in hardback now. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Saturday, sir. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Graham. Take care of yourself now. Bye. Still to come, Matthew Horn was in the studio giving us laughs with the release of Nan the Movie. And the lovely Tom Hollander joins us live to fill us in on the ITV drama The Ipcris File. Plus, we have another round of Guess the Guest for you to play. But before we get to that, show chef Martha's got us sorted with a Mother's Day recipe for next week. Hi, yeah. Are you well? I am very well, thank you. How yeah, are you? I'm very well. Just talking about the sun, the moon, the, yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful time of gorgeous, year. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Uh, talking about time of year, you're planning ahead. You're planning ahead for next weekend. Mother's Day is next weekend. So this is a, a lunch for your mother, but you're not doing the traditional roast. Exactly. So it's a lunch... It- is impressive, but it doesn't take you the hours of prep that a regular roast would take, which for me is a win, because you want to be spending time with your mum. You don't want to be spending hours cooking in the kitchen. Well, (laughs) depending what sort of mood they're in. Yeah, pick a different recipe (laughs) if you don't want to spend time with your mum. You you can pretend this is taking a lot longer than it is. I'll just go check on it. Uh, So what, what are you making your mother that you love? So this is a beautiful Georgina Hayden recipe from the Waitrose magazine. It is a spiced roast salmon with a caper butter. And then I've made some kind of crispy garlic potatoes on the side. Say what now? Mm. Uh, Absolutely gorgeous. So, I mean... So that I mean that's a big portion of salmon. This is not this is like a mighty it's a, like a giant darn. Yes. <laughs> it is a it's a large piece of fish. I mean salmon is a big is a big old fish. <laughs> so we're making the most of that. Um so Georgina in the recipe has used a whole side of salmon, so that should serve. I mean, she's, that mad. Serve? she's crazy. She says four to six. I feel like you could eke it out a few more people. This is um a fillet of salmon, so I would say this is a kind of three to four person portion but it's quite easy to adapt this recipe to just do those individual fillets of salmon if you're just cooking for one or two you don't need to make this huge thing but it is quite impressive it is very impressive and when you say spiced i mean Mm. how hot is it it's not hot spice it's kind of aromatic spice Mm. so i'll talk you through all of the different spices we've got going on but it's a really nice mixture of peppery things spicy things and sweet things i I mean, I have a problem I can eat so fast. <laughs> I, I, I just had a whole Sunday lunch and wolfed it down. Thank you very much. In whatever that was, right? three minutes, 20. Uh, OK, uh, so you've got your garlic and potatoes. You've got your salmon. Uh, what, how do we begin? So we'll start with the salmon. Um, you're pleased to know it's nice and straightforward. So we want to take our side of salmon um, and we're going to place it skin side down into a baking tray with a little bit of olive oil in it. Then what? we're going to make our spice blend. So mm-hmm. it's a beautiful mix of spices. We've got some garlic granules going in there, sweet smoked paprika, ground coriander, dried oregano, a little bit of ginger, 
a little bit of cayenne pepper. You're raiding the whole spice cupboard for mm. this recipe, I'll tell you that much. Um, a little bit of caster sugar for some sweetness, which creates that kind of crust that you get over the top. Um, and then some salt and some black pepper. And finally, the zest of a clementine. <laughs> well, hello. We did not see that coming. Wow. <laughs> not in the spice cupboard, in the fruit bowl, that one. Left field, okay. So that all gets mixed together in a little bowl. Then we're going to sprinkle that over the top of the salmon and then just kind of pat it over to get a really nice even coating on there. Mm-hmm. Drizzle of olive oil, then that goes into the oven for about 20 to 25 minutes. So a nice quick cook. You're not going to be, if it's a hot day, like a nice sunny day like today, you can put it in. You haven't got to stand there yeah, slaving yeah, yeah. over it. It's not going to make your house really hot. <laughs> yeah. And also it'll be, you, you You can be confident that it's going to be done and you don't need to, pour, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. With salmon, it's really easy. You just want to break open the middle, have a little peek inside. If it's looking opaque and flaky, then it's cooked. If it looks a little bit kind of translucent, then stick it back in for a yeah. few minutes. <laughs> if it looks a bit, it looks a bit wet. Yeah. <laughs> a bit cold, then maybe put it back in. <laughs> um, and then whilst it's cooking, when it's in its final kind of 10 minutes, you want to make this caper butter. So we're just taking some butter and some capers from one of those little kind of tins in the vinegar. Oh, yeah. Take um, two tablespoons into a pan and cook that gently for about five to ten minutes until it's starting to smell a bit nutty and a bit golden the capers will go a bit crispy as soon as the salmon comes out you want to drizzle over this caper butter sprinkle some parsley and then you're ready to serve and it will just kind of pull away into really nice portions because the fish will be cooked so so gently oh your mother will be so impressed <laughs> so she will impressed. to be fair i know my mum's gonna message me after this and say when are you coming down for, <laughs> to make me mine yeah where's my salmon <laughs> and uh, very quickly the garlicky potatoes uh, how do we make them so these are another georgina hayden recipe these are in the waitress magazine alongside the recipe they are literally boiled new potatoes Whilst they're boiling, we're going to make some crispy garlic. So finely sliced garlic cloves in some olive oil. Cook that really on a low heat till it's golden. Then we add that into the potatoes along with a little bit of butter. It's a nice fattening on this one, but it's why it tastes so good. Some lovely chives, parsley, any herbs you've got lying in the fridge. Salt. And that's that. That they're, Honestly, they're very good potatoes. Very, oh, you can't beat a very potato good with garlic, can you? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, no. your mother will be delighted with that. <laughs> delighted. Um, uh, thank you very much. That is the spice roast salmon with caper butter. It's in the Waitrose magazine. It is, yes. Uh, and also, if you go to our um, Instagram at uh, Virgin Radio UK and just stab away there, you'll be led to the receipt. And it might be on Twitter as well. No, no, I don't... no. No, people are shaking their heads. No, <laughs> don't be a fool. Don't go to Twitter and look for it. It won't be there. Go to Instagram, you'll find it. Uh, absolutely delicious. Thank you so much, Martha. Graham Norton on Virgin Radio. All right, everyone, prepare, prepare to drool. Uh, Martha Collison is here. Show chef, what have you got for us? It looks gorgeous. Oh, something to celebrate spring today. Because um, the sun's out. It's the first official... I don't understand it, but first official day of spring, something like that. Whatever, I don't know. So it's got flowers on it to celebrate. It's a uh, <laughs> it's a dark chocolate and Persian lime tart. Ooh. Because mm. apparently it's a Persian New Year or something. Yes, it is. Apparently it coincides with the spring equinox, I believe it to be. Oh. So we've got some Persian ingredients in here. I love kind of Middle Eastern cooking. I think they have some of the best ingredients, really nice balances of kind of sweet and tangy and sharp. So we've got all of those things going on in this tart. And then it's kind of finished with some beautiful rose petals to make it fit the season. Are they some sort of 
candied rose petals or something? They are just the dried rose petals. Okay. So they add a bit of an aroma. <laughs> aroma and crunch. <laughs> I might scrape them yeah. off. Don't be offended. <laughs> I won't be. Don't worry. <laughs> um, now, this looks... One, uh, top marks, Martha, because it looks just like the picture. Oh, I've got a picture of what it's supposed to look like here. <laughs> and that looks exactly like it. Um, this looks quite uh, ambitious. <gasps> Do you know what? It looks ambitious, but it's not as hard as it looks. Did you buy it in a shop? I <laughs> considered it, but decided that would be not quite fulfilling the role. <laughs> yes, slice the packet carefully. <laughs> yeah, that's why it was in so late today. <laughs> You're not even wearing a chef's jacket. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You caught me. <laughs> why would I wear a chef's jacket to go to the shop? No, you, I'm sure you made it. I am known for my ability to inhale food, <laughs> but even I... <laughs> Even I couldn't finish a whole slice of that during that record. I might have been sick. It is so gorgeous, but wow, is it rich and intense. It is a rich and intense one. It's chocolate, but I feel like if you're expecting chocolate and it's light and fluffy, you're a bit disappointed. Oh, that, I mean, I was not disappointed. Uh, so uh, presumably we make the base first? Yes. So if you can make a cheesecake, you can easily make this tart. That's, okay. the, that's the plus of this. Okay. So we start essentially making a cheesecake-style base. So we are kind of blitzing some digestive biscuits um, with two kinds of nuts. So it's walnuts and pistachios. This goes into a food processor until it's a nice fine crumb. Then whack in some melted butter, give it a mix and then press it into the base of a tart tin. So just use yep. a spoon, get it nice and compressed. That goes into the fridge whilst you make your filling. Now it's a black lime chocolate tart. So this is an ingredient that I actually hadn't worked with before, but found really interesting. Um, they kind of shatter when you crack them. They're essentially a lime that's been dehydrated and dried until it turns completely black. I think I've got black. some of them. <laughs> yeah, some of those in the back of the fruit bowl. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm, they're, they're to hand. <laughs> I'm going to recommend you maybe buy them from the Waitrose okay. Cooks and Greens range <laughs> okay because they are dried through and through and you have to kind of crush them with a rolling pin and they shatter all across your chopping board it's quite fun you can see it on the instagram if you want to witness the, oh, okay. the crashing yeah, yeah, yeah. um so that goes into your double cream into a saucepan along with a little bit of sugar and you just kind of let that infuse for 10 minutes on a low heat put some dark chocolate into another bowl you want about 60 percent. anything too high will be a little bit too bitter so you want to use something around 60 percent into a bowl over some water. Then we strain the hot cream in a sieve into the chocolate. Sounds complicated. Yeah, you told me me this was easy. (laughs) I did forget this bit, to be fair. All you have to do is just because you don't want big chunks of that dehydrated lime. It gives a really nice intense flavor, but you wouldn't want to be chowing down on it. So push that through the sieve, mix until the chocolate's melted, and then you pour that into your tart case, sprinkle with your rose petals, chill for at least an hour. So tell me the the, the sieving bit. I'm uh, going yes. back to the hard bit. So that sounds like you'd need three hands to do that. So, but you don't have to stir while you're doing it. No. So you literally you have your chocolate in a bowl. And, and is then... the chocolate melted at that point, or is it still? in kind of blocky form so it's in I kind of used the Waitrose Organic little rounds of chocolate so they will melt quite quickly but you could just finally chop up a bar of chocolate yeah. you want to make sure you've not got any huge chunks in there Yeah. Um, so you get an even melt but the, the hot cream should be enough to melt it but if it's not just place it over a little saucepan of boiling water just to gently melt through the bowl oh okay so oh I see so it's not that it's not you don't have to do the melty where you put the bowl in the saucepan and blah blah blah, blah you don't blah. have to do that the cream should be enough to melt it you just give it a stir 
Uh, gotcha. Yes. Okay, that's that's cleared that up. And uh, and then, uh, how long did you say put it in the fridge for? So it wants to go in for at least an hour. The only area of this recipe that could potentially go wrong is sometimes, because cream is quite high fat content and chocolate yes. can vary, is you can, ha- this thing can happen which is called splitting, where the kind of the fat separates from the rest of the mixture and it looks a bit horrible and you wouldn't want to pour that into your case. But if that happens, here's a quick remedy tip for you. Tablespoon of water. So people always say, no, water and chocolate don't mix. But actually, in this kind of setting, it will help to re-emulsify. So add a little bit of water, give it a, a kind of vigorous stir, a bit more water, a bit more water, until it comes back together again. Then you can put it into your tart case. Well, that sounded simple. <laughs> Just water. How hard can and it does be? It go, does it go, when you say that thing, when it splits, is that when it kind of goes gritty and kind of weird? or? Uh, it, it might go gritty if you've kind of overheated it slightly, but okay. it kind of it can happen really easy and you haven't failed if it happens. It's just because the ingredients can be weird temperatures sometimes, but it's the fat coming out of the cream. You know, easy to make, very easy to make. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I made so, that sound a lot harder yeah, than it so, is. So, so easy. That's very good. Uh, and, and I had it, uh, and would you serve it with a bit of creme fraiche or something? Or I reckon so. Maybe some ice cream, <gasps> something like that, a bit of vanilla ice cream. Quick, go get some. <laughs> go back to the shop where that came from. <laughs> Uh, that is a dark chocolate and lime tart, a Persian dark chocolate and lime tart. Uh, the recipe can be found in this week's Waitrose Weekend newspaper. But also, if you go to our Instagram account, at Virgin Radio UK, um, you can stab away there and find it. And I believe it's also going to be tweeted. It's going to be tweeted, the recipe. The receipt will be tweeted. Uh, you are on your halls, I believe. Yes, sorry, I won't be seeing you next weekend. I'll have to bring sandwiches or something. I'll have to pack, I'll have to pack a lunch. I'll have to get Tupperware in. I'm very annoyed. Well, have a nice time. you going away or are you just going Thank to stay on a wall? Yes, going to be whizzing down the slopes next week. <gasps> Cannot wait. Oh, fancy. Fancy. <laughs> well, uh, don't do yourself a mischief. OK, we don't want you limping back. <laughs> I have a broken back. leg when I come back in. <laughs> okay, have a great holiday. Take Thank care you. of yourself. Thank you very much. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can take when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. Right, it's time to meet my first guest of the day. You'll know from Bad Education, Gavin and Stacey and the Catherine Tate Show. Now he's hitting the big screen, returning to his role as Jamie in Nan the Movie. Matthew Horn joins us now. Hello, Matthew Horn. Good morning, Graham. <laughs> oh, listen to that voice. You sound so awake. I am awake. <laughs> and absolutely thrilled to be here and to see you again. Oh, lovely to see you. So what was it? This must have been... So did, did you say yes to this movie like years ago? Is this one of the those movies that has been years in the making and then finally all the pieces came together it's been years in the talking Catherine's <laughs> talked about it for many years um and then the, as always with Catherine she will talk about something and then within a month it'll suddenly be happening and it's written and off we go and we're doing it so yeah I mean we shot this pre uh pandemic so about three and a half years ago oh wow yeah so um the actual release of it is a long time coming yeah but um it's an even longer time coming in terms of it being discussed as a possibility <laughs> um but it's uh it's really amazing that we we have we have got here um it's a real uh and Nan's sister yes in the thing is she in that's a totally new character she was never in the sketch show was she, she was never in the sketch show she was never mentioned in the sketch show so she is um, she is in the film as a new character, yeah. Played by Catherine Parkinson. Who's just great. I've always wanted to work with her. I've, no, I've known her socially for many, many years. I've always wanted to work with Catherine. So uh, it was a joy to work with her. She's just amazing, yeah. And for you, like, obviously, Catherine and um, 
Oh, Catherine and Catherine. Catherine and Catherine. C, C and a K. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they, you know, hours and prosthetics, they must have got to set, you know, before they left. Uh, you must just waltz in and, you know, a bit of talc. Thank you very much. You say that, um, um, talc, gosh, that's, uh, that's, 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 that's really spanned me out. Um, <laughs> powder, powder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, actually, no, that's not true, because when I work and when I was working on this particularly I used to get up incredibly early and go for a run because it just sort of gets me yeah, going yeah, in the yeah, morning yeah. ready for the day so I was always in uh, quite early and uh, it was a great source of amusement for, for Catherine because although I said I, I, I went for runs she used to claim that I was doing all sorts of act- activities you know <laughs> just saying, what, what was it this morning abseiling um, uh, but actually I, I, that did actually lead to a, an incident where I was late for work because we were out in Galway, which was beautiful, and I went for a run at half past four in the morning. Um, we're shooting in winter, so it's still dark. Yeah. And I do my 5K. I think, I've done enough now. Look at my phone. No signal. Got no idea where I'm staying or how to get back. So I was late for work um, <laughs> that day. Uh, so I did roll in, and pre-talc, Catherine said, um, of course you're late. You're up at half three rollerblading. <laughs> and is acting acting... Or is it? Is is there a difference between doing this character in a sketch and doing this character in a, a long form movie like this? There is a difference actually. Um, in in the sketch form, I have I have one job, which is not to laugh and remain deadpan and uh, take uh, take her bullying um, on the chin. Um, in the movie. Um, there's much more of a journey in terms of their relationship, and what you do see in the movie, which is really really sweet is her being nice to him and telling her what she really thinks of him which is that she loves him and she's proud of him and um it's really it's quite emotional in part so i went at the premiere last week it was really quite emotional because those moments of pathos really came through and it's it's really nice to play that with her um it's still very much acting. As you know, you're an actor yourself. No, I'm not. <laughs> I left that skill set well, sometime ago. I was at one stage. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a bit, uh, it's a bit meatier, I suppose, you know, doing, doing a, a full narrative journey with the character. So, yeah, that was really nice to play and nice to watch too. And also, it must be interesting for Catherine Tate to... Because, to, you know, Nan is a very big character. But as you say in this... She's playing other things, and and there's the flashbacks. We see young, younger Nan and things. Yeah, I mean, it is, as well as a road movie and a sort of buddy movie, it's an origin story as well. So we we get to see her right from birth. The opening of the the movie is is Nan being, is, is Joni being born. And then throughout the film, we get to find out various things that happened to her that made her who she is today. Um, I mean, no spoilers, but it's a, it's a really interesting watch. So it, it really does flesh out the character beyond the sketch. Yeah. And the life of an actor, uh, Nan the movie on yes. big screens, uh, but you're also appearing in Harold Pinter's The Homecoming, which is... I, I am. <laughs> that's range. That is range right there, Mr Horn. Thank you. For, well, you don't know that yet because we haven't started, but I'm in the thick of rehearsals for The Homecoming. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a beast of a play. It's a hell of a play. And I'm, I'm as Pinter wanted his actors to do I am relishing it but I am also terrified I open in 10 days so 
And in Bath, posh Bath. Posh Bath. And then um, we, we're there for two weeks and then we go on the road um, to uh, Malvern, Cambridge, York, Brighton and Newcastle. Well remembered. Thank Very you. Good. And go, I mean, Harold Pinter, because he was so kind of revolutionary at the time and he kind of, you know, was this incredibly fresh voice and da-da. what, how has he aged, if you know what I mean? Um, incredibly well. Um, and forensically going through this play, it, it's it's amazing how how much it stands up. I mean, he, he always said that he wanted to be the, the, the best playwright of the 20th century. And I, I have to say, certainly in this country, I think that's true. Um, and this play is is immaculate. And the themes in the play uh, really resonate uh, as much today as they did in, in 1967, um, which is when the play is set. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's an extraordinary piece of work and I'm relishing it because my character Lenny, um, although uh, the charming man, um, underneath there's, there's a real menace there and I only really get to flex my acting muscles in the theatre, really. I only really get to kind of challenge myself in the theatre, whereas on the telly or in film, it's often... Um, I often get pigeonholed a little bit, which is, which you know, it, it, it's absolutely fine. I understand that that's the way it works, but in the theatre, I can really, really push myself, and that's what I'm doing now, and it, it, it's, it's a real joy. And also, you're right, because I, I think the last time I saw you was at the Chocolate Factory. You were doing uh, Charlie's Aunt. Charlie's Aunt, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. again, range, 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 the range of the man, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and uh, and I, because it's contractually obliged, I have to ask you about Gavin and Stacey. Because mm. um, that last outing, yes. even you guys must have been blown away by the viewing figures and everything for that. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, it, yeah, we were. I mean, obviously, we uh, the, the, there was appetite for uh, some more Gavin and Stacey and there has been for the last 10 years um, and more but we had no idea that it would be received in that way I mean the viewing figures were astonishing really really and, extraordinary and I mean as ever is everyone just sitting on their hands now going uh, well that did well I mean because normally success breeds <laughs> uh, more yes I think um, I, I think obviously the BBC would like more um, James and Ruth have always said that they would only do more if they had a story and a reason to do it. And just because people want it is not enough of a reason to do it for them. They, they want to make sure that they have a story. Uh, and they don't want to let the, the piece down, really, and let the yeah. audiences down. They don't just want to do it for the sake of it. Um, so um, I, I can't say whether they are... Um, planning on doing more or not because I, I genuinely don't know um, and also all of you guys have gone on you know so now trying to corral that cast mm. is quite difficult I imagine yeah it's quite a large ensemble and 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 f filled with very very successful people um, so yes I think getting everyone back together you know it was it was difficult the last time so um, you know it'll be equally as difficult this time uh, that said we all have an allegiance with the show obviously and it's like returning to an old family um, so it, it, you know we, we would all do it if we could um, but James and Ruth very much want the script to be there and be right yeah I guess also an audience would just see through it if it was a cynical yeah. you know 
cashing in, people yeah. would just go, "Oh, yeah, this is." <laughs> I think I think so, yeah, and and I and I think that one of the reasons we, that it did so well in terms of figures and stuff is because the. It was actually a really good episode, <laughs> as simple as that. You yeah. know, it wasn't just, um, as you say, a cynical exercise because people wanted it. It was genuinely a good story and a good episode, and one of the best episodes we've done, I think. And tell me this: so the you're doing the homecoming now that you're rehearsing that at the moment, yes. And then that is Theatre Royal Bath next. Theatre Royal Bath uh, from the thirtieth of of March. And is and that next week? It. No, week after. Yeah, yes, it's next week. Yes, oh, okay. it's next week. <laughs> Really long pauses. <laughs> I didn't know the pauses were this long. <laughs> yeah, so well, P- Pinter is known for his pauses, and there, there may be a, a few more than he wrote. Just walking off for the first for the first couple of days, anyway. Oh, they love it. They love it all around the country. And Nan, the movie is in cinemas now. Uh, Matthew Horn, thank you so much for coming in to see us. Lovely uh, to see you again, Graham. All thank right, you. take care of yourself. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. It's time to meet my second guest of the day. He's a BAFTA award winner with a list of credits as long as your arm. He's currently starring as Major Danby in the Ipcris file on ITV. His name is Tom Hollander and he joins us now. Hello, Tom. Hi, Graham. (laughs) How are you? All right, very well. (laughs) Good, good, good. Uh, So Ipcris file is episode three tonight, am I right? I think so. Yes. And is that of, of six or of eight? Of six? It's of six. Of six. And this was, I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it? We all, we, we think we know the Ipcris file, but actually yeah. <laughs> it's a long time ago. And it's been yeah. a long time probably since we've watched it. Were you familiar with the, the book or the film before you no, got involved in I this? No, I just remembered, I remembered Michael Caine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a vague memory of Michael Caine looking cool. That was what the <laughs> Ipcris file meant to me. And the glasses. Uh, and... That's probably, and then I watched it uh, again before we did it, obviously, and realised what a stylish film it is. It, he was, it was, he had, it had the same producer as the early Bond films, Harry Saltzman, uh, who was making both franchises at the same time because the Ipcris file had a couple of sequels or one sequel, I think, uh, but it didn't turn into Bond. But it was like a working class Bond, Harry. Uh, Harry Palmer was, you know, is uh, not the toff that Bond is. He's um, he's a street kid, which is what we're doing again. Um, but I think our, with Joe, the brilliant Joe Cole, but um, our plot is, I think, better than the film. Uh, and it's certainly longer and makes more sense. Have you gone back to the book? Is it, mu- is it much more faithful to the book, the Lynn Dayton book? I, d- uh, n- I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Let's say yes. Don't ask me. <laughs> I haven't gone back to the book. I went to the script, straight to the script, Greg. Of course. Was, yes, I wasn't going to. I thought, I've adapted the book too, and I'd like you to do my version of it. No, it was the brilliant John Hodge. The brilliant John Hodge did that, all the hard work. And um, your your character is your character as big as uh, uh, in the film as he is because you're really right through the whole TV show. I mean, you're 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 central well, I, to the story. I'm, in, I'm two. I am in the. I'm a. He's he spliced together two characters uh, from the film into one character who's Major Dolby in the TV series. So Dolby in the film, there were two, he had, Palmer has two bosses in the film. And in this, he has one boss, and um, I'm playing both of them. 
And isn't it interesting, in kind of spy espionage films, you know, for years it was the Cold War and then they had to find kind of new enemies after Glasnost. Yeah. And now, horribly, here we are back again. This Cold War yeah. story couldn't be more timely. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's that's, that's an, an unhappy accident, which, uh, yeah, makes makes it resonate. Though, if you, of course, in a in a in all sorts of ways. Well, it's interesting. However, there's a big there's a big thing in the papers today about how what it's done is there's a whole resurgence of spy novels. Spy novels are big again, uh, and espionage novels right? are, are big again. Yeah, I think Kim Philby's granddaughter, uh, she's written a, a a book based on her grandfather, and you know it's 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 big business again. And here I you see. are. Here you are flying the flag, if Chris Wilde. Yeah. And in in the film, in the filming of it, uh, obviously there's uh, fabulous locations. Did you get to go to the fabulous locations, or were you in the fabulous Liverpool throughout? No, no, I went to the because the great thing about Dolby is he's a bit more like um, he's not just behind a desk, um, which is why I wanted to play it. He's one of those bosses that goes out on manoeuvres as well, so he. Uh, he did get to go to the all the fabulous locations, rather like. Do you remember Charlie's Angels? Oh yes, Charlie and Charlie's Angels <laughs> would occasionally turn up and go, "Hello, girls, it's time to come home." Um, I've uh, I've arrived in a helicopter and I'm wrapping everything up. Dorby occasionally does something similar, um, though he doesn't say "Hello, girls." <laughs> the, uh, uh, so, and all the locations were in Croatia. They they Croatia doubled for everything from a South Sea island to. Helsinki to Berlin to uh, Beirut. It was, um, it's very versatile. Well, it's and, abroad. Uh, it's abroad, isn't it? Yes. It's abroad, just abroad, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And as an actor, you know, because in, in my job, you can kind of like, you know, keep chugging away and pretend you're you're not getting any older. But for actors, I always feel like you must have got the script for a, a major. I, I can't be old enough to play a major. Well, I know where you're going with this. I think majors can be quite young, so I didn't think that, but I have had that experience, Graham. I occasionally, I was offered a part of a grandfather uh, last year and I um, spat out whatever I was was in my mouth when I saw it and uh, thought, goodness gracious, as it comes to this. But uh, uh, technically, um, I could be a grandfather, so it's time to, we all just have to, be dignified about the appalling ageing process that we're going through. Yeah, I got offered. Um, I got offered something, and the part was Old Joe. <laughs> that was the name yeah. of the character, Old did Joe. You, and did you throw it, throw it out in disgust, or did you run towards it with? I got open sick arms? in it, wrapped it up, and sent it back to them. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, yeah. yes, we, we have to we have to keep going. And at least, at least your major is like a, a fashion plate. I mean, the clothes. Yes. I love your clothes. You're extremely well dressed. Mm. That's what you have to do as you get older. You have to wear better clothes because they can they can make up as your body starts to fall <laughs> apart. The clothes get more and more structured. And uh, with luck, you can. Well, obviously, I'm not paying for them anyway. It's the production. Um, <laughs> My clothes are not as good as Lucy Boynton's clothes, which are just staggeringly beautiful. I know. They're really, really fabulous. And we're talking about uh, filming abroad, and you are speaking from abroad, I believe. I am, yeah. Where, I'm in where, Sicily. Oh, Sicily, nice. What are you doing yeah. there? What are you doing? What are I you am doing? currently hiding in my room in a very, very large hotel, which is both where we're living and, and the set. 
and I arrived last night. They've all been filming for a couple of weeks. I've just got here, so I'm in a state of trepidation and high anxiety because I haven't joined in for the... It's the second season of The White Lotus. Oh, fabulous. Which is set in Sicily this this time. And is and it then, a, is it an all-new cast, or is it are they kind of... Everyone's new except uh, for Jennifer Coolidge, um, who was the... Did you see the first season? I did. I loved it. So she was Tanya. She was Tanya, the 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 rich single lady who um, is looking for love. Um, she goes through, but otherwise, it's it's. I think it's called an anthology series, isn't it? Like True Detectives, where you keep the shape, yeah, and change all the characters in the story. So she takes carries us through. She's still. Um, she's, and the White Lotus turns out to be. A hotel chain. So this is the next hotel in a hotel chain. So have you do, you've done no filming at all yet? No, I haven't. My first day is in, in a couple of days. So I'm Ooh. hiding in my room. The, the hotel is deserted this morning because I think they've all had a very hard, hard week. Today is the day off. No one's emerged. Um, it's a huge old convent in uh, Taormina. I mean, um, what a weird experience that, I mean, that must be, what a, what an odd feeling that you're in this big empty hotel that, that's yeah. been used for work. Yeah, I know. It's a, and it's, a, and it's our, and it's our, it's the Cessna, it's a gilded cage, Graham, you know, I mean, it sounds amazing, <laughs> doesn't it? it? Sounds amazing, four-star, five-star hotel in Taormina, but no, it's spooky and strange and I'm very anxious. And how long yeah. are you going to, how long are you going to be there, Tom? Weeks, weeks. I've been stuck here for weeks. It's like being, no, it will be, we'll be here until May. It'll all be marvellous when I've met some people, I'm sure. I mean, that is a long time. Do you know, I mean, apart from Jennifer, do you know anyone else who's in it? No, but there are amazing people in it. Do you want to know who's in it? Yes! Theo James is in it. Oh, yes. He, he from, I think, Sanderton and many other things, the brilliant Will Sharp. Oh, Yes. F. Murray Abraham is in it. Salieri. Oh. And, um, Michael Imperioli is in it. He's somewhere in this building, as we speak, probably sleeping now. He was in <laughs> The Sopranos. Um, Haley Lou Richardson. I'm reading a list, you can tell. Yeah, Aubrey it, it... Plaza. Megan <laughs> Fahey. I mean, uh, Leo Woodhall, who, I don't know Leo Woodhall, but I can see from his picture, he's incredibly good looking. There are a lot of very, very talented Younger people. In here. Yeah, you probably should Google them before you meet them tomorrow. I will a yeah. little bit, yes. <laughs> yes. And who I'm quite scared of, obviously. <laughs> or I may just hide behind my COVID mask. And, um, of course. You've, not in it. you've always got that excuse. Lovely. Yeah. And are you allowed to tell us who you play? I play a, um, a, a British expat um, who lives out here and, uh, and is rather loose and... Um, is quite fun, but also quite badly behaved. And because I'm useless, I can't remember the name of the man who wrote and directed uh, White Lotus. Oh, uh, well, he is completely brilliant, and his name is Mike White. Yes. Uh, and he's a sort of... He he, he also... Um, School of Rock, do you remember that? Yeah. He wrote, he wrote School of Rock. He's very, very brilliant man. He was an actor originally, but... Um, 
much too clever to remain an actor for long. So he's written all of this stuff. You know, uh, I've seen I've seen him in interviews, and he seems uh, a, a very interesting, <laughs> remarkable person. Yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah, he's a brilliant man. Well, listen, good luck with that. I can't wait. Thanks. Presumably that'll come out later in the year or early next year or something? I something, exactly, something yeah. like that. In the August future. <laughs> yeah, it will be definitely in the future, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah assuming yeah. that we're all still here. Yeah. But we can enjoy you this evening. The Ipcris File continues tonight at 9 o'clock on ITV and you can binge all the episodes on ITV Hub. Uh, Tom Hollander, what is, I, yes. feel, I feel bad letting you, because I'm, I'm releasing you into a strange... <laughs> Yes, I feel and you, so. I'm feeling you've stopped me from feeling quite so isolated and lonely, and now you're just tossing me back into this. I'm staring out as a. It's cloudy, by the way. Just in case anyone thinks it's sunny and beautiful, it's cloudy, which was not what I was expecting. Well, sunny. I'm staring here. at the at the sea, um, waiting, hoping something spouts or or a boat comes past or something. Yeah, I feel I feel on. you're in some sort of like Italian purgatory. But anyway, off you yes. go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, of course, it will all be marvellous It will, it will And they'll love yeah. you and you'll be brilliant in it It'll be fine, it'll be fine Alright, thanks, um, thanks for take, bye taking bye. the time to talk to us Take care of yourself, Graham. sir Bye, bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye Guess The, uh, uh, the um Guest Guest yeah, if you haven't got through, uh, hang up, because our callers are locked and loaded. Uh, if you're waiting to play, obviously stay. Don't, don't you hang up. You, you stay there. You're going you're to play the competition. And if you correctly identify the voice, you will win the Graham Norton with Waitrose gift box with that reusable cup, champagne, truffles, balsamic vinegar, all sorts of goodies. That will be winging its way to you if you correctly identify this woman's voice. I really it was about a mile away and I had, and I, so I took my shoes off and I just literally had, I'd had a really like didn't fit into Hollywood day where I'd fallen over in a meeting I'd done all sorts of things so I was like oh this is how you arrive at Matt LeBlanc's house <laughs> and I was holding my shoes like wait talking to myself like fully in the zone and he came out of the house and he went what were you doing <laughs> and I was on all the CCTV cameras <laughs> I couldn't bear it. I made them tell me who that is because I was annoying. It was annoying me so much. Uh, will the nation find out who it is? OK, let's go to the callers. First up is Daniel. Hello, Daniel. Good morning, Graham. How are you? I'm very well. Where do we find you this morning? I am outside an awful soft play centre in Milton Keynes where my little four-year-old daughter is having a fun party. I just couldn't bring myself to go in with her. I thought it would be more fun to listen to you. Oh, well, thank you very much. Uh, I'm sure she won't be missing you. She'll be in, you know, in soft play heaven. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm you, sure she you'll just have to deal with time. the aftermath. Uh, all right, uh, Daniel, uh, let's find out who do you think that voice belongs to? Am I allowed to change your, your uh, my mind? I've having re-listened to it. I think I've I want to change. My yeah, mind. no, Is yeah, we, we, yes. If you think if you think you were wrong, it'd be foolish to say that. So, so say your well, new answer. In that case, I'm going to go with Lily James. Lily James, are you correct or are you wrong? <laughs> wrong, I'm afraid. Uh, I shouldn't have changed my mind, should I? I don't. Well, uh, I can't ask you who your other one. Like, no, 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 but you, well, we'll. Oh, they'll know off, off. They'll know off off mic. So I'll, I'll find out afterwards. Uh, Daniel, go look at your daughter enjoying herself, and you know that that'll cheer you up. You you didn't win the gift box, but you know you've won at life. You're having a lovely day. All Thank right, you thanks. Very much, thanks for calling, Daniel. Take care of yourself.
Uh, let's go to Craig. Hi, Craig. Hello. Hi, Graham. How are you? Oh, there you are. You put the heart across me. Uh, where are you today, Craig? Uh, I'm in Hemel Hempstead in Hertfordshire. Lovely. I, I hope the sun is shining for you today. Absolutely beautiful here. Thank you, Graham. Yay! Marvellous. Are you out and about enjoying the sun or are you you're waiting to do that? I'm waiting to pick up my daughter from a, uh, an osteopath treatment and then we're going for lunch in a nice steak restaurant in Chandler's Cross. Oh, lovely. She wasn't in a soft play area and hurt her back, was she? <laughs> <laughs> no, she's, uh, she's almost 16. So okay. She's long gone. Uh, well, I hope, I hope she feels better. And listen, a, a, lovely, uh, a lovely lunch is going to cheer her up as well. Uh, let's see if we can cheer you up by giving you the uh, Waitrose gift box. Uh, who do you think that voice belongs to, Craig? I've got a feeling it's Billy Piper. <gasps> Good guess. Are you right? Are you wrong? Wrong! Oh, oh Craig! Oh well. oh, well, you've still got the lunch to look forward to. That, that's good. Yeah. Exactly. Drown your sorrows. All right. Have a great Saturday, Craig. Thanks for playing. Bye. And you. Bye. Bye. Okay. Let's turn now to Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Hello, hello, Graham. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm very good. You nearly called me Sarah. <laughs> I did very nearly. <laughs> uh, where are you today, Sarah? I'm in Farnham in Surrey. Lovely. And are you enjoying our sunny Saturday? I am indeed. I'm at home at the moment, but I'm just about to go out to lunch with <gasps> friends, which I've not, I've not seen for a while. So looking forward to it. Oh, I mean, it is great that we're getting back to kind of in the into the swing of things and going out for oh, lunch. Oh, isn't it just lovely? Oh, I'm I'm jealous of you. All right, let's <laughs> see if we can make your day even better by giving you the Waitrose gift box. Who do you think that voice belongs to? I think it's Daisy Haggard. Very good guess. Let's see if you're right or wrong. You're right! It is Daisy Haggard, and I'm reliably informed that Daniel and Milton Keynes was wrong twice. Both of them. Oh, good. Yeah, his first choice was Daisy Haggard. Oh, congratulations. You're getting the champagne and the truffles, all those other goodies. They'll be winging their way to you. Uh, is there anyone you'd like to say hello to on the radio before we let you slip off to your glamorous lunch? Yes, of course. I'd love to say hello to my friends who are meeting for lunch, Carol, um, Derek and Fee, and to my lovely sister, Jackie, and to everybody else who knows me. Oh, well, listen, Sarah, congratulations. Go enjoy your lunch and enjoy that gift box when it lands on your doorstep. Thank you so much for playing. Thanks. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Bye. Well, that went quickly. Thank you so much for joining me on the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you can hear a new episode of the best of bits from the show from early Monday morning. Speak to you soon. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio.